Welcome to Podcast Awesome, where we chat about icons, design, tech, business, and nerdery with members of the Fawn Awesome team. Fawn Awesome, go make something awesome. Fawn Awesome, go make something awesome. I'm your host, Matt Johnson. In this podcast, we catch up with Fawn Awesome founders Dave Gandy and Travis Chase to talk about the kind of culture they've been striving to create at Fawn Awesome and how conventional hiring practices might be missing the mark. When did you guys get a sense where you started to realize that maybe your the hunch that you had could maybe work because it it sounds like you've got three friends you know when you go back to other conversations we've had Travis Dave and Rob are thinking about hey we're talented people we know that the work environments we're in now are not ideal and have a kind of a vision for what work could look like together um, and sort of charting your own path there when did that start to feel like an actual reality instead of, wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could do such and such? Yeah, we, <laughs> we read a lot about uh, from the 37 Signals blog, uh, now known as Basecamp, and were inspired by a lot of their writing. And they would get a lot of criticism, that kind of stuff. They wrote books that kind of talked about how to do business and software differently than what was typically being done or spoken about or how you should uh, do, say, fundraising or managing or grow your business or build software, they came out very opinionated on how they could do something different. And personally, it really resonated because where I was working at the time, you know, I was like, oh, man, if they would, yeah, this this is the way you should do some things. And not that I agreed 100% with everything, but the core of what was there resonated so much. And so, you know, kind of, I think sometimes... It's an overloaded term, entrepreneur, but being an entrepreneur is having that audacity. You know, one of the things personally motivating was to say, huh, I wonder if there could be two companies. And not that there, you know, there are probably, there are probably a ton of companies that run much like Basecamp and, and care about people. You just don't get to hear about them very often. They were like the first because they were successful. Mm-hmm. They could talk about it and people couldn't just discount what they were doing because they were successful in the eyes of, of you know businesses, they they made money. They had customers, they had real products that people loved, and they made a lot of money. And then they did business differently. And so, well, maybe we have to. Maybe there's a different way to do it. And so for me, it was like, yeah, I want to see. Could there be two? Could we do two? And and it work? Or is that just they're just a unique you know company into the world? Yeah, Basecamp for me, and, and most of what they write to me is is some uh, sense to it. To look at the things that are obviously just nonsense. And what if you ran it a different way? For us, I think. The question for, for me specifically was, you know, I, I was pretty sure I knew how to, to care about people and how to take care of a team and their emotional and mental health, like all along the way, and make it something that they got to enjoy doing. And so for us, in a lot of ways, I think, and, you know, Travis, like, we both have built software. We've run the gauntlet of delivering on a reliable basis software and design. We had the Fawn Awesome project itself as some proof that we might, in fact, actually have a good idea of how to do user-centric product design. And so really, the big question left over, I think, for us was, can we make enough money to, to keep going? And so, you know, really, until that Fawn Awesome 5 Kickstarter hit, I don't think we had a, we had a solid yes yet. 
And so mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been profitable every year since the Fauna Sum 5 Kickstarter. And so that's been nice to have something of an answer to that question too. Can we run a business well enough? Can we, can we figure out how to make money off the stuff we made? All kinds of business nonsense. We, we really tried to like talk the way humans talk. Uh, there are some words that no matter how you do it, there's no other word to replace it. And yeah. so you have to reuse a really stupid word. <laughs> yeah. Entrepreneur is one mm-hmm. of those. The way it sounds just sounds absurd. Right? <laughs> um, and I like that Basecamp has the the word, I like to use the word starter. I think that's that's interesting. You know, being precise in how you talk, you have to use jargon. And that's kind of what jargon really actually is. But we try to like be as human as possible in what we do. Uh, and th- this comes down to every place. How do we talk? to people right now? How do we talk to people when we're writing copy for our website? When we're writing the words that people are going to read, what do they sound like? Does it sound like a human wrote it or does it sound like a marketer wrote it? Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that happen? How do we lose some of our humanity along the way? The, being able to step back and, and feel that line of where is the humanity? Where is Where are the people at? Like, um, I, I think is this thing that we've always really, really tried strongly to focus in on. The, the word for adding humanity to things is providing other people with dignity. The process of removing that is removing dignity. And I think that's such a fascinating idea that can we help bring dignity in some small way through software to what people make? And I think people hear all kind of the, kind of some of the full stories to a lot of different stuff. I hope that it I hope that it does shake out in the end that way. And I also think, I mean, time is a factor in this. Time and luck where we're, yeah, we, sure. we don't oh, discount yeah. Uh, luck in the whole equation and we get things yep. wrong we have to learn and, and being able to say hey I've changed my mind I'm going to do something different and and do that but I think you know so far in our journey pretty rewarding when they say I, I can't work anywhere else it seems like those applied principles of not only the actual work day but also how you treat people and how you try to actually live out what you said you were going to do when you when we built this thing yeah is so far proven to be a place that people really enjoy working and it really doesn't feel like a job that way. Yeah. Dave, you got pretty strong opinions about hiring. We've talked about it a little <laughs> bit before. Um, and, and this is a piece of that. You know, you guys get to a place where you have a really successful Kickstarter and now you're starting to see like, hey, I think we might be able to make this work. You've got a couple people on board and sort of seeing this vision come together and you start hiring more folks. How do you think about hiring and the type of people that you hire? I know that there's like a big disdain for terms like the uh, the rock star so-and-so <laughs> or the A player. Ninjas. Yeah, or the so-and-so ninja. When you hear those terms, it sort of, yeah, it, it, it feels a little sickening. Yeah, and then- <laughs> absolutely, right? Like um, that when, when companies tend to think of like rock stars and A players, rock stars, because of the way they get treated by others, uh, they feel enabled. Not all of them, but the system that you create around that encourages childishness and really just stupid decisions, right? And so typically, you know, oftentimes the people that think of as the rock stars are uh, the children causing all the problems that the adults then have to come into work and clean up, right? If you've got somebody who's, you know, high on Red Bull coding at 2 a.m. because uh, I'm a hard whatever, like, because I'm, I'm a rock star, are typically causing more problems in the code base than they're solving by a great deal. Instead, somebody else has to come in and clean up that mess. What if instead we hired adults? What if we hired yeah. adults and we treated them that way? Because the truth is, so many of, of what other companies define as rock stars are terrible employees, but so often, a lot of the employees that other companies have deemed B and C players are actually just A players currently under bad management. 
Mm. Right? They have such a horrible process that doesn't recognize the reality of how ideas come about, how you go from idea all the way through to making this thing. And so they'll devalue certain parts of that. And they, they won't recognize the true value for this person is. I had a person on my team. She came in every morning at 6 a.m. and no, 7 a.m. and left at 3 p.m. Right. So she's there the same amount of time everybody else is. And she was an adult. She had a family that she took care of. And for her at that point in her life, uh, work was something that helped enable the rest of her life. And every time I we got into the 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 room to evaluate bonuses. One of the things that company used to talk about was they talked about headroom. Uh, where, could, where could this person be? And mm-hmm. let's get clear what that is. We are currently giving people money for what we imagine they could be, not what they're doing right now. Does that not sound unbelievably stupid no. to spend our time doing this? So you're actually creating the culture of the rock stars. The people that we identify here, these are the people that can do these stupid things, not come in reliably on time every day and do their work wonderfully and to like full completion, right? So, and, and she, she also had this way of every single, oh God, just the, the, the worst, most like busy work droning tasks that all of the high flyers, all, all, all of the high flyers didn't want to do or weren't interested to do it. First hand up, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do that. And you knew when she took a task, it was done and will be done all the way through, and you didn't have to worry about it at all. If that is not a high flyer, dear God, we do not know what we're doing in evaluating (laughs) the work that people are doing. What if the people evaluating the work people were doing had some experience with that actual work? What if people managing software were also ones who wrote software? What if my proxy as a manager for is this person doing their job was not how many hours is their Ass in their seat. That's another thing that encourages the rock star mentality. The, the person, oh, he's really, really, they're, they're so dedicated, right? They're so late at night. That's because they didn't do anything the rest of the day. That's because they came in, they didn't do anything, they played all day on the foosball table, and they drank Red Bull all day. And now they got, <laughs> they got a deadline coming up, so they're rushing as fast as they can at 2 a.m. to get it done. That's what's actually going on. And somehow that gets interpreted mm-hmm. as the person that we really need to keep around here because they're really working hard. We need people in place who can actually evaluate the work product, mm-hmm. who can look at it and know how it is. I, I once described our company as a uh, engineers who liked people, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're engineers, engineers, right? They're engineers who love machines and are fascinated by them and how they work, and they don't really care about a whole lot else, right? I, I did undergrad at MIT. That's, that's, that's most of the people there. But what, what if we could create a company full of engineers who liked people, mm-hmm. right? And, and this goes back to the kind of what you're oriented around and what you care most about and, and the filter way which you look at all of those things. And if we're engineers who like people, what does that do? What does it also do to the work product along the way? What does that do to how we work together and how we can come into a room and have a lively discussion, really lively discussion uh, with disagreement? And then we can all feel safe enough to basically to disagree and commit with what's there. How do we do that? I think there's also a piece when we talk about hiring a lot of it's focused on resume or competency in whatever, say, language or tool. We really try to focus on a character fit. Mm-hmm. You know, we hire for, we always say we hire for character first. We're really trying to look at that person and see if they can work with, with the team, you know, have similar values and, and maybe they don't have the exact fit and competency that we're looking for. We think that can be learned. You know, most mm-hmm. of anything in yeah. software design, you know, it can be learned with time. It's just being able to, as a company, say, you know what, we're fine giving you that time. That costs money. 
uh, that maybe other companies aren't willing to spend because they want to just get in, keep going, 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 got to build more and more and more and more. And we're like, well, we can take the time to do it right because the person fit is there. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, this, is, this is very much like this is what Southwest Airlines does. Southwest Airlines doesn't hire for your experience as a flight attendant. They hire for personality. They hire mm-hmm. for what, what that default neutral is for you. And they, they believe that they can train the rest. We're probably the closest to thinking about it that way. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to work here. It's really fun to work around people who value humor and who will, will speak up in order to you know, make sure to deliver that punchline that you're sitting on. Uh, go ahead and say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've said before, too, that most companies will hire for skill or competency first and then fire for issues of character and that it's completely backwards, right? It, it is, right? This goes back to just running a company with common sense in a lot of ways. That is how people tend to get fired. They did something, so we fired them. And what if we hired, so you're firing for behavior, what if you hired for the same thing? A standard interview process will not get this. Even when you put three people through eight interviews in a day, technical interviews all, oh my goodness. Again, if you're doing that, you're just doing it wrong. Like it, <laughs> If you know what you're doing engineering-wise, you can get a really good signal for what somebody knows relatively quickly on the design or the engineering side. If you know it well, you can suss that out pretty well, pretty quick. But the real question is, and the reason for taking longer is not about asking more skill or experience questions. It's about seeing how somebody is going to react under natural circumstances that occur when you work together. Mm-hmm. So outside of the people that we've actually worked with before, personally, that we already know the answer to this. For everybody that we hire, we want to spend some time working on a project with you. And we get the opportunity cost there, right? We get that when people are really, really in demand professionally, they may not want to take the time to spend you know, 20 hours on a side project to see if it's a good fit. We get that. This is time where we learn something and they learn something mm-hmm. in a much clearer way. Are these, are these the people I want to live my life with for a while? I want to wake up and go and hang out with these people and build stuff with these people. The very people who are willing to have that question answered because they care about it are the right people we want to be working with anyway. We're willing to worry about that risk. And, but what that does is when we get to work with, with people on a real project, we get a, there's just natural things that occur, right? There's going to be disagreement that occurs. How do we do that? There are people that will, if you don't agree with them immediately, they will just make fun of you, right? They will just ridicule you or they will totally clam up and not talk. And we also know that some of these things, some of these ways of reacting are ways that people have learned to cope in a normal job. So how do you try to get past that too? How do you give the patience and not say, aha, aha, they failed. This is done, right? But how do you like... Well, how do, you, how do you try to get the, both of you to the place where you know each other well enough, where you can feel some level of trust to let some of those walls down and be able to, to tackle an idea for its own sake rather than worrying about you know, a whole bunch of organizational stuff or politics or whatever else? And it seems like that's where the human-centered uh, hiring for character, the character c- comes to the top. And you're like, aha, this person can be a human being. They can work out right. differences. They can be a kind person make the idea what's important rather than feeling attacked. That's right. In order to be somebody who is a learner, that implicitly requires you to say and know of yourself that I don't know already. I don't already know everything. And that is fundamentally a humility question more than anything else. How does this play out as you're learning? How does it play out in your work? And how how does it play out lots of places? Because we know that that's one of the most important things in working together with other people who disagree with you on a team. You've got to have this idea that maybe I don't know everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe for people like Travis, who are <clears throat> unfortunately uh, right more often than they should be. Um, 
yeah, to, to, to be that person and still have the humility to be like, I don't know. I'm going to be maniacally reasonable right now. I'm going to acknowledge reality. And th- this is another thing, too. Like, there's a way of looking at what we'd like to think of character or that word, the way we use that word. And when we, we say that word, there's a lot of things it could mean. What we mean when we say it is that the way character develops is when who you think you are, who you say you are, who you actually are, and who you want to be, as those things become the same thing, that's one way to think about character. There's a self-awareness required. There's a desire to be better than you are right now. There's a whole bunch of that that all together requires an awful lot of, I don't know, but I want to get better. Well, amen to that. We all could use a little more humility and we really could use more humility in the workplace. So thanks again to Dave and to Travis for coming on the show today. And you know the usual drill here. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe, tell your friends, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, all that good stuff. This podcast was edited and produced by yours truly, Matt Johnson. The Fun Awesome theme song was composed by Ronnie Martin, and audio editing was completed by Chris Enns at Lemon Productions. <laughs>